40. Benedetta Benny Rosato was the only child of an ailing mother and a father she'd never met. She didn't have a twin. She had a law firm, plus a golden retriever. I don't have a twin, Benny said with confidence. Yes, you do. Look, we're built the same. I'm six feet tall, and I could see you are too. I weigh 125 pounds. You're heavier, but not by that much. And listen, I even sound like you. You could be doing that on purpose, Benny said. You mean fake it? Why would I do that? To get me to take your case. You think I'm lying to you? Said Connolly, pain creasing her brow. What else can I think? Benny said. Connolly cocked her head. My birthday is July 1st, 1962, same as yours. My birthday? You could find that out anywhere. We were born in Pennsylvania Hospital. Most of Philadelphia was born at Pennsylvania Hospital, Benny shot back. Connolly's blue eyes narrowed. Our father is William Winslow. Benny's mouth went dry. How did you know my father's name? It's the truth. Our father took off before we were born. Our mother gave up her second-born twin, me. And what's wrong with our mother? Why doesn't he ever talk about her? I asked you, how do you know my father's name? Bill and I are friends, Connolly said. Bill, you're good friends with my father? Yes, he's a very nice man, a caretaker. He told me to call you. He said you're the only lawyer who could win my case. Nobody knows more about the Philly police than you. Benny smirked. Got you there, Connolly. My father doesn't know me at all. Oh, yeah? He follows your career. He has your clippings. Clippings? You mean from the paper? Look, Connolly said, my trial is only a week away. I couldn't wait to meet you when I found out about us. I have so many questions. Do you remember anything? Like from the inside? Connolly edged forward on the counter, but Benny leaned away. Inside? I do, Connolly said. I have memories of you, like a ghost, a phantom, but close to me. It's the only time we were together. I have to go, Benny said, rising abruptly. The inmate was a con artist or delusional. The police conspiracy was paranoia. Benny reached for her briefcase. I'm sorry. I wish you the best. No, wait. I need your help. Connolly scrambled to her feet like a shadow left behind. You're my last chance. I didn't kill Anthony, I swear. The cops killed him. They're covering for each other. They set me up. You already have a lawyer. Let him handle it, said Benny, snatching the wall phone off its hook. It would ring automatically at the security desk. But my lawyer is court appointed. He's part of the conspiracy, too. I'm sorry. I can't help you. Benny hung up the phone and edged to the window in the door. Where was the guard? The cinder block corridor was empty. Look at this before you decide, said Connolly, pushing a manila envelope across the counter, but Benny left it there. I don't have time, Benny said. I have to go. I'm running late. Guard! Benny jiggled the doorknob and pressed against the window in the door. A heavy-set guard hustled down the hall. Take the envelope, Connolly called, but Benny ignored her and jiggled the doorknob futilely. Come on! The guard finally reached the cell, jammed a key into the lock, and swung open the door. Guard! Connolly shouted. My lawyer forgot her file! She stretched over the counter with the envelope in her hand, but in a swift movement, the prison guard drew a baton from her belt and brandished it. That's far enough, you. Sit down. Okay, relax, Connolly said, folding instantly into the chair and raising her arms protectively. I'm only trying to help. Benny backed against the door, her feelings in tumult. She wasn't going to hurt me, she heard herself say. The guard turned under the raised club. That your file or not, lawyer? Uh, yes. Then take it. 
Benny lunged for the file and stuck it under her arm. Her chest tightened. She had to get out of the prison. She hurried out the door and for the exit, clutching the unwanted envelope to her breast. Four patrolmen crammed into a booth at Little Pete's. They chose the table farthest from the door, a cop habit. It was early for lunch, as the night tour called every meal they ate. But Surf Lenahan had another bug up his ass. He leaned over the table to talk, even though Little Pete's was practically empty. It's for real, Surf whispered. But Sean McShay laughed so hard he almost choked on his cheesesteak. And Art Reston called Surf a horse's ass. Why you swallow shit like that? Reston asked, shaking his head. It's true, okay? Surf raked a hand through a thatch of bangs. Rosado is Connolly's twin. I heard it from someone who works at the house. She told an inmate that Rosado visited today. She's putting you on, Reston said, dropping his pepperham hoagie into a red plastic basket. Next to him, Sean McShay, still laughing, wrestled a napkin from the steel dispenser. She's not putting me on, Surf said. Why would she? Fuck if I know, Reston laughed. Maybe she's got the hots. I'm telling you. Surf said. Rosado was there. The word is they look alike, too. Bullshit. McShay finally stopped laughing and wiped his eyes. If they looked that much alike, somebody would have noticed it. No, Surf shook his head. Connolly's hair is red, a dye job. Rosado's a blonde. Also, Rosado is heavier. I could give a shit, Reston snorted. It's a con, kid. Connolly is the master of shit like that. Look how she scammed us. So what if it's a scam? Surf said, it doesn't matter. If Connolly gets Rosado on her case, we're fucked. Next to Surf, Joe Citrone listened in his typical stony silence. Joe was near retirement age, a wrinkled, elongated face with a long, bony nose. Joe, Surf said, turning to him. An inmate says they're lookalikes. Why would she say that? Dunno. You think she'd bullshit about that? Dunno. You think they're twins? Dunno. McShay started laughing again. Joe on the witness stand. Don't know. Don't know. Don't know. Citrone ignored his laughter and finished his cheesesteak, but Surf couldn't stand it. I'll do something about this if you won't. Citrone rubbed his fingertips together, brushing off invisible crumbs. Don't, kid. Don't what? Deal with it? Citrone's expression didn't change. I'll take care of it. I can deal with it, Surf said. I know what to do. I said, I'll take care of it, Citrone repeated. And everybody accepted it as the last word. Everybody, that is, except Surf. Alice Connolly lay on the thin bed in her prison cell. Ever since the day they handed her her blues and showed her the cell, she had spent every minute thinking of a way out. And then it happened. The only bit of luck in her life... The guard knocked on her cell door and told her somebody named William Winslow had come for a visit. I don't know any Winslow, Alice had said, but she'd gone with the guard to the visiting room. Sitting by himself in a chair was an old man who looked like a scarecrow. He was tall and thin and his head dipped forward like his neck was stuffed with hay. Up close his face was thick with tan and wrinkles. Alice asked him who he was and why he was here. Then he told her she was his little girl. What the fuck are you talking about, she'd said. She wasn't adopted, not that she knew, but her parents were too dead to ask. This is you, as a baby, the scarecrow had said, holding a black and white photo in a shaking hand. Fine, whatever. He was an old geezer, maybe he was senile. In the photo was a fat baby with round eyes. It looked like every baby in the world. Alice handed him back his picture and told him to get lost. But then the old man dropped the bombshell. 
You're a twin, Alice. Your twin sister is the best lawyer in the city. She knows all about the police. It's time for you to call her. Show her this. He'd held out an envelope. Alice took one look at the stuff inside and felt like she won the lottery. She didn't care if it was true or if the coot was just plain crazy. Alice could spin this straw into gold. It was her ticket out. Alice got herself psyched to meet Rosado. She had done her research on the computer and knew she was ready the night the lawyer came on the news. Just one quick shot of Rosado and an inmate watching TV had called out, She look like you, Alice. She sure do, Alice had thought to herself. But now Alice's thoughts were interrupted by a chubby figure in blues scuffling down the hall. Valencia Mendoza arrived at the door and stuck her head inside the cell. Alice sat up in bed with a loud sigh. What do you want, she asked as Valencia's cheap perfume filled the cell. I worry in. I don't have time for your worrying. What a pain in the ass this spick was. They made good workers used to taking orders, but they could be such a goddamn pain. You have nothing to worry about. I no hear my santo for a week, Valencia said. My mother, she call every week, says how he is. She no call this week. Something's wrong. Santo is fine. Your mother got her money yesterday. Alice said. Valencia was the girlfriend of one of the boxers, and Alice had recruited her right away. Valencia was timely on the pickups, and always did what she was told. But then she got pregnant. She'd stuck powder in Santo's diaper bag and got busted. Oldest trick in the book. Your mother gets her money every week, Alice said. If you stay quiet, you know the deal, even though you're not so good with the English? Right. Right what? Yes, I know the deal, Valencia nodded. I swear. Alice stood up, put a hand on Valencia's soft shoulder, and squeezed hard. As soon as you stop being a good girl, I stop the money. What happens to Santo then? Huh, Valencia?